0: Well, on Rebuilders today, we pick up from where we left off last week, looking at the pressure that we are facing as Christians in the public sphere.
1: We will be looking at two temptations that we can fall into and -hmm. also two kinds of selves that will be increasingly leading, the imperial self and the infantile self. How do we lead them? How do we disciple them? And what if in this moment of increased pressure, there's actually an invitation to step into a new kind of conversion to a deeper biblical framework and understanding of the
0: world. It's a great episode and we look forward to sharing it with you. Hi, welcome to Rebuilders. My name's Liddy and I'm here with Mark and Daniel. How are you both?
2: I'm present and doing really
1: well, thank you. How are you, Mark? I am not present because I'm currently flying over the Arabian Sea. Ooh, like Aladdin? Well, I didn't know. <laughs> Did Aladdin do that? But for three hundred dollars extra, <laughs> they let my camry fly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Only three hundred dollars. <Yeah>, you, <laughs> uh, you just gotta ask. You just gotta find a little
1: feature to it yeah, around. A I was just negotiating. Of- She's like, Well, do you want the you want the jetpack? And I was like, do it, let's do it.
2: Alan, anyone listening right now is so confused. Can you uh, enlighten us why you're going okay, so over the Arabian Sea? Well, we've pre-recorded this.
1: So ah. if Insert major world event happens uh, between now and uh, then. when you're hearing this. While well, you're when hearing you're this, that's why we haven't commented on
2: world event X. <laughs> uh, give us, give us some, uh, give us some predictions. What's what are we? What are the listeners? What's happened as the listeners are listening now? That you're going to give foresight to a week. Prior? Look, prediction
1: is a mug's game. I've said that before, but I will bet my house. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, by between now and next week, Yeti is discovered.
0: A Yeti. Yeti well,
1: it's a whole race of, of, of creatures. Yet the Yeti will be discovered.
2: Uh, sorry.
0: <laughs> okay, Daniel is literally crying on the other side of the desk. And you
1: know who's gonna find him? <laughs>
0: Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk.
1: And it'll be revealed that's where the burnt hair came from. <laughs>
0: Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, so
2: hot
0: yeah. in here. Oh. Uh, Well, oh, yeah. there you have it. Let's, yeah. um,
1: We're just taking up our jackets. I just love the extremes.
2: <laughs> Predictions and mugs game. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I'm willing to bet my house on it. D- uh, d- quick, fat on, fact, quick fact <laughs> on Abominable Snowmen. Abominable Snowmen. Abominable Snowmen. Yes. Uh, Jane Goodall, the famous... Uh, what did she study? Monkeys, chimps. What did she study? Chimpanzees Zoologist. or maybe like Zoologists. Yeah. She fully believed in primatologist. In the abominable, primatologist fully believed in the abominable snowman. Really? Yeah. She was a true believer.
2: I'm. I'm going to say that everyone has enjoyed this start of this episode and this banter. It's now time to tune in to the what they've come here for. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Thank you for declaring that. Yeah. Captain Daniel. <laughs> Well, last week we talked about, uh, I guess, how the church um, and Christians uh, and people of faith in general are facing that challenge of whether or not you can take on Um, Mm. roles of significance in in cultural society, Mm. Um, you know, be a CEO of a Mm. a secular company or whatever. And and the pressure that kind of comes with that and the questions Mm. that come with that as to what it looks like to be a Christian in the world Mm. um, going forward.
1: And I think that, you know, for whether it's people in those leadership roles or just people in the culture, you know, you can definitely feel the growing anxiety mm. that comes and, you know, like just interesting, you know, seeing all the news headlines, I think I talked about last week about, you know, the newspaper saying holy war, yeah. you know, archbishop versus premier and, you know, what does this all mean in, in the comments and um, that sense that as we've moved away from sort of liberalism as a neutral thing to this sort of hyper-liberalism which, which seems to sometimes feel like it's growing in intolerance. Um, so a big thing we talk about, um, you know, wrote a book on it a non-anxious presence. How do we mm. be non-anxious responses to this? To be a non-anxious presence, first of all, you have to realize the temptations that you succumb to when you're anxious. Yeah, All of us have coping mechanisms. It might be comfort eating or anger or different ways that people respond to anxiety that can be negative and destructive for mm-hmm. us. So I just wanted to posit two. Um, for us so that when anxiety like this comes or you feel like, uh, you know, there's an increased pressure or even a loss. Um yeah. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot – I think I might have mentioned this last week, but bears, bears repeating that particularly there's been a lot of Christians who have grown up being told you can have this achievement in the world and mm-hmm. you can interface with the world and, you know, if that disappeared – again, we're not saying that's going to happen, but if that did disappear, um, how do you deal with that loss, yes. you know? Yeah. And so – I think there's two ways, two kinds of paths that we can go down. Now, the cultural critic Christopher Lash wrote a number of books such as The Revolt of the Elites and The Minimal Self and he also wrote a book called The Culture of Narcissism, which I would put up there in my top five cultural books you should read. Mm. Um, And uh, people say, what's the other four? I don't know. I'll have to think of them. (laughs) Um, um, uh, He said that there was two sort of Western selves and he saw – One sort of morphing into the other. The first one he talked about was what he called the imperial self. Obviously, imperial comes from the word empire. And really, he described this as a kind of uh, super ego, thus with a super Mm -hmm. desire that was kind of an apex predator of contemporary individualism. This self was the child of the imperial age of conquest. In A Non-Anxious Presence, I talk about the sort of self that conquers the frontier. Yeah. This is the entrepreneur, the hero, the world-class athlete who has all the riches and money and adulation and and love of, you know, everyone because they, they reach the apex of success. And very much that has been the dominant sort of, uh, I guess, aspirational self. Mm-hmm. Not everyone got there but that's who the heroes were of the culture. Um, So, you know, that's the sort of first temptation. I think there is this temptation that when anxiety comes to then push back with this imperial self to sort of reach into this human form of striving to sort of find a kind of new kind of human self who is going to push through these challenges and and have success through human power.
0: Mm. Would you say that the church has fallen into this trap in the past or is now?
1: Um absolutely I think the church has fallen to this in the past and there's countless examples of I think where you know just have to look at I guess the linkages between church and Empire at different stages but mm-hmm. also as well this sort of sense that the the church is probably a more contemporary version of that, which is probably less examined is almost the church as the place which prepares people for success in the secular world mm-hmm. um, without an idea that actually uh, certain kinds of pressures come. Now, we talked about like uh, last week how in late liberalism, the sort of challenge from culture was seen more morally. So you can go to the corporation but don't do bad things at the corporate party or something, you know what I mean? So how do you be at work and be moral? What it hadn't sort of reckoned with was a more stage of hyper-liberalism where the actual structures of the workplace excluded people who believe certain things? Yes, people have not been prepared for this, so there was no real questioning, in a sense, the actual structural values of the secular world. Mm-hmm. It was just like, here's how Jesus can help you succeed in whatever field you want to go into, and yeah. maybe don't be a, you know, drug dealer, but pretty <laughs> much everything else is sort of open to you. Um, so, I, I think that's probably a, a, a more recent version of it. Okay, um, and look again, there's some good things of that, like we need to prepare people you know, how to work and I think there's a theology of work and a theology of doing well at work and, yes. and, you know, like serving the city and there's some really good stuff on that. I think probably what I'm talking about is a bit more the sort of like almost sort of Christianized professional development. Yeah. Is uh, it a
0: little bit prosperity gospel That's That's
1: probably a better language. Yeah. Almost the sort of prosperity gospel version of here's how Jesus can make you just kill it in any sort of industry. Mm-hmm. But what happens to those people who have sort of been moving up those – Ladders, and then all of a sudden they realize there's actually a sort of faith based glass ceiling.
0: Yeah, okay. So, if that's one response um, that Christopher Lash outlined, what's the other one?
1: So, interestingly, in the estimation of Lash, the imperial self had sort of been replaced with what he called the infantile self.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas the imperial self he saw as marked by sort of insatiable desire. The infantile self is more marked by attempts at social cohesion and conformity which mask a kind of hidden inner rage and wow. this bursts forth in passive-aggressive modes from backbiting to cancel culture. So in a sense, like, you know, I, I was on the plane recently and there was someone sitting across from me and it was interesting. She made a couple of complaints, but as she she made a number of complaints <laughs> on this plane ride and she was complaining about Basically, that they had they were having troubles with the entertainment system on the plane. It was, mm-hmm. it was failing, and they did this announcement like, "Hi, every you know, this is happening to multiple people on the plane. We've tried to sort of fix it. We can't." But what was really interesting is I heard her complaining, and she basically was speaking in this very measured tone, mm-hmm. which wasn't like losing it angry. It was almost this passive aggressive, well spoken tone. But as it went on, she began to say, I think this is actually targeted at me.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: (laughs) And it was this really interesting sort of almost sort of she was taking on this almost victimization, this is targeting against me, your flight crew is targeting me personally, when clearly this is happening to everyone. Yes. So it's almost this sort of very individualized. So whereas the infantile, so the, the imperial self wants to go out and conquer the world, the infantile self sees that the world is a direct mission to conquer it, <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, um, and so it's it's where the imperial self is is aggressive. The imperial self is passive aggressive. Yes. Where the imperial self wants to grow and conquer, the 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 infantile self re- rejects growth as an intrusion yeah. upon itself.
0: Or does it also uh, want others to make the growth happen for them? Yes. Maybe? Yes.
1: Well, you could say the imperial self sort of strove to take almost a role of a parental figure of authority, like they're carving out this new reality, almost in the wilderness, and sort of almost creating this civilization of prosperity Mm -hmm. where the infantile self, like, lives off that comfort, assuming it is normative, Um, and its expectations are inflated when not met. So it rages against the paternal figure, the imperial self, even though the imperial self is providing for it, um, while at the same time being dependent upon that, imperial self, that paternal figure for the provision of comfort and security. Yeah, so it's right. rebellion is actually a bit of a power game, but yeah. it's like a more angular, it's not like a direct confrontation. Yes. It's like, you know, sort of passive aggressive.
0: Yeah, okay. And is that a little bit like um, the civilizational decline framework that you mm. uh, outlined a few weeks ago? The imperial self is kind of like the, the builds it and maintains it Yes. Um, uh, stages. Stages, thank yes. you. Yes, generations. Um, generations. And then the next two, whose names I cannot remember. So assumes the-
2: it, neglects it, and then buries it. So. Okay. Yes.
0: assumes it and neglects it and it. This buries is the assumes it. it. The- yes, assumes okay. it.
1: So this is the entitlement, like this is all provided to me, but I can't believe you yeah. didn't provide it for me when I wanted. Yes. Um, yes.
0: And, yeah, I guess no understanding of having to – <clears throat> that that somebody has built it and sacrificed for it potentially.
1: So in some ways, you could say the imperial self takes on the responsibility to conquer because it has this insatiable desire for more stuff. Yeah. Whereas the infantile self rejects responsibility, sees responsibility as as elsewhere, but then has this weird negative paternalistic relationship, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with that imperial self. Okay. So in some ways this is sort of taking on a position of victimhood and this is where I think it, it aligns with the temptations of the church. Yes. So there is this temptation then as pressure comes to sort of retreat. Yeah. Almost to take on the sort of personality of victimhood, to sort of take on an approach of almost passive aggression. Um, And, you know, I, I think that's also a massive temptation and and particularly as well like I think emerging generations, that, that point where – instead of sort of striving for – it's almost like instead of striving for the imperial self, you know, the infantile self more looks for sort of cohesion, everyone to get along. So the shock for the infantile self when you see cultural pressure like this happening around Mm -hmm. faith, it's less that – maybe it's less that, oh, I didn't even want to get that job anyway, but hang on, now I'm in conflict with my peers and I don't agree with what they believe, so I'm just not going to say anything.
0: Yeah, okay. So this not just passive-aggressive but also – Passivity in general. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, okay. yes. Or avoidance perhaps. Yes. So with these two things outlined, what's our answer as the church? Is there an answer? Where do we go next?
2: Mm. So I'm just thinking back to last week as well though. Yeah. Like you get to this point and I feel like the answer can often be or feel like we kind of talked about technical solutions. Two, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, sorry. Yes. Yeah, two weeks ago. Um Technical solutions. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. To, so you can always, and I almost wonder, can you kind of, mm. where you like as a leader or someone react almost in the same way? Yes. Like, I'm going to yeah, react against yeah. your own imperialistic way, yes. assertiveness or whatever. Yes. With my kind of imperial, or I'm going to react to your passive aggressive infant self. Yes. With some kind of victimhood myself. Yes. But we talked about. The what was it adapt,
1: adaptive solutions? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, well, like I'm interested.
2: What does that look like? Um.
1: Great question. So it's an adaptive challenge. Yeah, because thing. in a sense, the church in the West hasn't experienced this for a long time, but this is normal in many other places. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, I think I, I referenced um, David Yeginatz's in, interview we mm. did with him, yeah. where he talked about the fact that despite. Not having access to many places uh, and certain jobs, that actually uh, you know you've got a flourishing church, you know in Iran um, despite all the challenges. And Leslie Newbegin made this really interesting point. I think it was in the Open Secret, where he said that um, the church actually then has is is used to um, almost a sort of. how would you describe it like a a normal a normal arrangement where the church had power on its side you know if you think about the time when the church was more at the center of culture the West was culturally Christian or was liberal with sort of like say the Church of England in England yes, at the center yes. and you know even we just we just saw the the Queen's um uh you know funeral where you saw this really central place that actually sort of constitutionally you know uh the, the church has even still in a contemporary british liberal, liberal state mm. so a change condition for the church in a post-christian society is that the church must engage in mission and and christian witness from a position of weakness rather than strength interesting this is not a new arrangement but the normative dynamic for the church throughout much of history and throughout much of today's world now we have hmm. discipled people prepared people preached at people presuming that it's neutral and that or that it's a position of strength. Yes, you know,
0: that, that we almost taking on the imperial self, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Or or
1: even like, well, we have this doctrine of religious freedom and um, that's what's part of our culture and that's our political right. Yeah. So we need to reestablish that. Now, I believe we should have religious freedom. I think it's a, it's, it's a very good element of our political system. But there is a future possibility where it might go. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at places around the world, there are many countries where it is not there, where, uh, you know, I think about, I mentioned this before, but the Connected Generation Report um, from the Barna Group, which looked at the spiritual lives of millennials, uh, you know, and I presented the um, findings of that in Australia but also Malaysia, where mm-hmm. uh, the most amount of resilient disciples are in Kenya and in Malaysia, and, but in Malaysia, uh, you don't have freedom of religion in the same way that you would understand in the West. Mm-hmm. Islam has a primacy in that culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, there's no guarantee that hyperliberalism won't significantly restrict uh, uh, freedom of religion despite us not wanting that to happen. So how do you actually prepare people to act as disciples, particularly in a contemporary church training sort of mechanism for discipleship, I think that's not something many people have prepared people for. How do we lead from a position of weakness? Well, where you may not have political power. Yes. So I think the imperial self-response is, well, we've got to regain political power Mm -hmm. and we need to, you know, and so I'm not saying that there shouldn't be political solutions pursued and and I think the best thing is if we could come to some sort of understanding of liberalism to deal with diversity, that's a a goal that should be pursued. But if you do that with a sense of regaining power, that's going to fall over. But then also I think if there's sort of this passivity where I think that perhaps particularly true for emerging generations, you'll have a whole generation whose sort of faith will perhaps disappear because they'll sort of just go into a very passive, consensus-based uh, sort of reaction where they actually have no Christian witness.
0: So I wonder then um, as you uh, posited in um, Newbegin's quote that um, that we're to take on a position of Weakness. I wonder if it's important to uh, distinguish the notion of weakness here, mm. um, uh, apart from the infantile self, because I know mm. the the notion of weakness has many associations. I guess yes. from a Christian worldview, it's yes. different. Yes, but um, we've just been talking about the infantile self, and infants yes. are known as being weak. Yes. Um, how would you distinguish those two?
1: Well, I'd say it's very different than passive. And okay. and okay, so. Again, this is an adaptive challenge and mm-hmm. the church then stepping into the reality that the West, the Western church possibly, as Newbegin argued, and I think he's right, will have to learn to do its mission, its Christian witness, its Christian worship, its discipleship from a position of weakness. Mm. This is an adaptive challenge which I think leads us into the potential of renewal. So number one, weakness does not mean passivity. What weakness actually means is an opening an opportunity to undis- to discover the actual power of God where we're weak. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so when you have cultural power, when you are an imperial self, or even you're using the passive-aggressive power of the infantile mm. self, let's not forget the infantile self is using power. Yes. It's just using it in an angular way. And um, it's the tantrum. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs>
0: uh, mm. I, I'm just like the infantile self to me is – a teenager. Yes. For yes, sure.
1: Yes. Brooding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the imperial self is yelling and screaming orders. The infantile self is brooding in the corner like, well, I didn't want to come anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with their back turned. Um, so I think, again, crisis precedes renewal because in crisis we realise that our ability to actually influence the world is not what we thought it was. We discover our weakness but our weakness His power is made perfect in our weakness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is what Paul discovered. Paul has very little personal power. Now, Mm -hmm. what he does have, he still uses, he uses his Roman citizenship. There was a thing in in Rome which was trying to do its imperial thing to have diversity and he had Roman citizenship. He uses it as a get out of jail card at Mm -hmm. one point. But in the end, still, he dies (laughs) under Rome. So I'm not saying don't use what you can in terms of freedom of religion. You know, I think it's a good thing. But also, if those things go, if they're restricted, if things become more pressured, whatever that looks like, and it may not even be in political, it could be in your organization or your corporation. You know, not all these things are always done politically. Sometimes we've talked about that can be done horizontally through digital means or whatever. And what you discover is, you discover a different kind of identity, an identity in Christ. So I think for people who were building themselves up and thinking I could get to that role, and what if in 10 years you're not gonna get to that role? you know, because you're a Christian who believes certain things, that actually what that means is your identity is not in that role, it's in Christ. Yes. And so I think there's an invitation to discover a greater identity in Christ. And and I think Newbegin also said that the West, you know, the question he often played with was um, – I think he was at a conference somewhere and he was there was a person from the West speaking and I think it was a guy next to him who's from I can't remember where he's from, Indonesia or something, who whispered under his breath, the real question is, can the West be converted? Yeah. And so Newbegin always took that 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 sentiment. And what he said was that often when in the West we talk about revival and renewal, what we're actually talking about is you know, an increase in religiosity or a rediscovery of morality. Now, those things may happen as a result of revival and renewal, but they're not the main things. Mm -hmm. And those things without what he saw as a genuine repentance, which isn't just the repentance of sins, that's part of it, but also, if you, he argued that if you look at the Greek meaning of the word repentance, it's actually metanoia, a turning around, heading in a different direction, mm-hmm. that actually every ideology, every nationality, every political platform, every self, imperial, infantile, and all the others that have graced human culture, every human culture, civilization, entity, institution, must come under the lordship of Christ and must be thoroughly converted. Yes. And so what that means is that in the midst of this moment that we can become that, Creative minority because we don't have the social power that others may have in the next phase. We may have weakness, but go back to that term of the creative minority. It comes from Arnold Toynbee, that actually those who don't fit in actually see things as they truly are, and that enables them to see the idols of the culture, the flaws, mm-hmm. the complexities, the contradictions, which we spoke about last week, and hyper-liberalism, the state we're in, is filled with them. Um, and then it enables them to be a healing presence to come back and, in a sense, to, to, to provide a healing word. So I think in this moment there's an element that as Western Christians, if you consider yourself that, a developed world Christians, whatever you want to call that, if you come from a liberal democracy, primarily in the West, in the, in the next phase, which may get more difficult, there's an element where we get to see perhaps some of our own idolatries that we've held that we just presume that we're going to have a sort of political mm. power or we're going to have always have a fair go. What if we don't always have a fair go? Yeah. How does that discipleship respond to that? So I think we need to we see this as a great discipleship opportunity where we don't just get a revival but a complete root and branch repentance and revival and renewal where we truly think in truly biblical ways.
0: So as we as we look at these the notions of like imperial self and infantile self, this isn't just this. This can be a, an individual thing. It's mm. something that is at play mm. within us as individuals, but it's also um, potentially at play within um, our our church institutions, um, whatever area mm. you um, find yourself leading. And what you're saying is that there is an invitation to find ourselves somewhere in the middle for this renewal of self. Yes. Um, both imperial self and infantile self are a false self and Jesus has invited us into identity in him. Mm. Um, and I, I do find it interesting, as we were talking about this yesterday, that um, looking at the temptation of Christ in um, the wilderness, mm. the... Um, the devil offered him both like yes. options: the yes. the imperial self, or to go to the infantile self. And in both instances, he yeah, mm. I guess, mm. um, Chose said no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was that? Chose a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, equally, we're invited into that mm. um space, and Jesus has shown us how to do it.
1: Mm. That's a great point, and and I think well two two things on that number one happen in the wilderness yes which is a place of challenge yeah. yes. and that that's where we're increasingly mm. finding ourselves and that god turns up in the wilderness it's hard and difficult and challenging but god turns up not in the place of comfort in the comfort zone but actually turns up in the wilderness zone great um the second thing is that additionally leaders are going to find themselves caught between imperial selves and infantile selves not so much in that so We've talked about it personally, the challenge yes. for us and for the church, but in the people you lead. Yeah, so there's a yeah. lot of conversation at the moment about toxic leadership. That's the imperial self, all right? Um, so how do we deal with that? But you also need the nuance that at the same time, just as there is toxic leadership at the top, there's also infantile self coming up from the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And eating away at good leaders. and And so you've got Imperial self, toxic leaders oppressing good people under them, yeah. and you've got in other places good leaders being oppressed by infantile selves, toxically yes. coming up. And we kind of talked about that. I
2: remember at the end of last year, in that um, how pastoral cares changed, yes. and become so much kind of this like the pastor is this kind of therapeutic kind of yeah counselor, just like yes. and they're just being absolutely burnt out having to fend for everyone's needs.
1: A hundred percent. So building institutions going forward. Which I believe we're called to do as part of our job of ruling and subduing in the world, we need to fireproof them against imperial and and infantile selves. Yeah. By how do we do that? Personal renewal leads to corporate change. Yeah. You cannot shortcut the call on people in Christian organizations, be it a church, be it a parachurch organization, and I'm even going to push this and say Christian schools. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, maybe Christian business. Uh, for people to together go on a journey of discipleship where you're really growing. Yes. And you you have a commitment to continually grow. Uh, Sacrifice that and I think you'll find yourself swamped by people coming from the infant and imperial selves. And always be garden up for ourselves as well. Mm. Some of us will yes. have a tendency to go to one. And I think when the infantile self comes along, we can often in reaction go imperial and vice versa. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, thinking about that now and building institutions in this reset moment, if we've emerged from the last couple of years and emerging into whatever this moment is, uh, that's an incredible invitation.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, what a great challenge. Um, any further comments you want to make at the end there?
1: No, I think there's there's plenty in there. And, yeah. and and thanks also, like I think just to frame all of this, you know, we don't have, you know, we talked about last week, we, we're we offering frameworks, we're offering sketches as we think through the adaptive challenges. Mm. You know, every week it seems like there's a new story to respond yeah. to and, and uh, you know, whether it's a big world event or, you know, the example of what we were talking about, you know, happened in our city just recently with Christians in the public space. Um we're walking together um you know and we feel like we're walking with you and thanks to people who send in questions and stuff like that uh through this adaptive challenge moment we don't have all the answers uh but we're constantly trying to read the culture but also in concert with reading the scriptures. And I just think it's a really beautiful example that you've given there, Liddy, of the, the wilderness mm-hmm. um, and those two temptations. And, you know, I love those moments when you've got this really seemingly contemporary cultural challenge. And then we're all sort of talking, and they're like, oh, yeah. Some one of us will go, oh, that in the Bible. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah. like, It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. just like, oh, that's so relevant, you know. Um, so, yeah, we're all on this journey together. And my encouragement to everyone is to keep going. Yeah.
0: That's good. Thanks Mark, thanks Daniel. See you guys next time.